Advent calendar got sh- cut short this uh, year because, in, um, because the fourth Sunday in Advent is Christmas Eve. So we missed out on a week of our, our conversation. And it, at least from my perspective, it seemed to go awfully fast from Thanksgiving till tonight. I don't know if you've experienced the same. The celebration of Advent is really about being prepared, ready for the celebration of Jesus. Not only his initial birth, uh, but also in the promise of him coming again. In our messages, we talked about uh, taking time during Advent to anticipate the work of the Lord. Because the work of the Lord is always active. Whenever the word is preached, the Holy Spirit's at work convicting individuals of their sin and their need for a Savior. We talked about a time of silence, that this can also be considered a noisy time of the year. All the noise that is either on, <clears throat> on the radio, television, or sometimes in between our ears, because we put so much into making this day special. And sadly, um, what we think it's going to be is often not what it ultimately turns out to be. And if that's what we were looking for, then we find ourselves kind of feeling flat. We then uh, talked about um, the the gift that God gives to us in uh, the the whole Christmas story concerning uh, the joy of our salvation. Uh, The joy that is not a joy that the world can give you. Uh, We can get joy in the world, but the true joy of Christmas is the gift of, of, of God's Son as your Savior and the joy that it brings to you in the knowledge that your sins are forgiven and you have the gift of life. Now, when I was doing all this studying, um, I came across an article that said, believe it or not, that when it comes to being prepared for Christmas Eve, over 45% of uh, box store purchases are made on Christmas Eve. I find that to be an awful big number. I can't imagine that half of you in this room were at Walmart or Target or Sam's or wherever trying to pick up that last few gifts because you didn't have time to do it any other day. Maybe that did happen. Maybe it's even possible that um, as this season progressed, you didn't really have an awful lot of time to think about Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. You just kind of got into the old uh, way of doing it, just like he did last year and the year before. And now here we are at Christmas Eve, and what do we have to take out of this service, especially if we didn't do an awful lot of preparing ahead of time? And it's for that reason I want to give you a Christmas present tonight. Now to do this, I'm, I, I'm going to <clears throat> go back into uh, 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 the scripture readings that we heard earlier, but specifically, I, I'm going to talk about uh, the epiphany texts concerning the wise men. Now, why I don't like doing this is because a lot of people think the wise men showed up on Christmas Day. They didn't. Uh, the shepherds showed up, maybe some of the townsmen, but the wise men didn't really show up until approximately two years later. They saw the star on the night that Jesus was born, but it took them a while to travel from where they were to the actual site. So if you can keep that in the back of your mind and that I'm not putting the wise men in your Christmas uh, nativity scene quite yet, uh, you're going to get something out of this. So the epiphany test of Matthew chapter 2. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Same king was in place, but it's a year and a half later. They're looking to Jerusalem because of what they knew. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They've been waiting a long time. What brought them to Jerusalem was the fact that they saw a star as it rose. They believed it to be the star of the Messiah. And so they came. They wanted to find out where he was so they could worship him. There is nothing in Scripture. I shouldn't say nothing. There's only one thing in Scripture that points to a star that would have anything to do with that. And we read that a little bit earlier. It was a star that appeared up in the upper constellations. It was a combination, more than likely, of a couple of planets. And it lit up in just the right place in the heavens. See, these guys, they, they watch the stars all the time. And all of a sudden, the combination created a bright sky, uh, a bright light in the right place. And they remembered Numbers 24. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. They were taught that Bible passage. And so when the star appeared in the sky, they knew where they needed to go. And we can tell from there, if it's going to rise out of Israel, guess where we have to go? We have to go to the capital, and the capital is Jerusalem. So now they want to know where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. What I'm about to say is probably going to irritate it a couple of you. <clears throat> we're taught when we're little kids that by following the star, there's like this globe that's hovering over the ground, and that's what's leading them. If that's the case, why did they have to go to Jerusalem and ask for directions? Why wouldn't it just take it on its own down to Bethlehem? Because the star that guided them was not an orb. It was actually the prophecy we just read. The star will rise in Jacob, and a ruler, a scepter, will come out of Israel. So they show up, and they have a question. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They didn't know. They had the book of Numbers, but they didn't have the book that contained the name of the place. So when Herod called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. That's the text that they quoted. After a little brief interaction with the shepherds, uh, I mean the wise men, what did they do? They left and they went on their way. And you have to come back on Epiphany, the 12th day of Christmas, to hear the rest of that story. This is Christmas Eve. We're talking about Christmas story. And we're going to find that in this prophecy. See, they're quoting Micah 5.2. Micah 5, uh, Micah lived about 700 years before Jesus was born, about 700 years after the prophecy in the book of Numbers. And what does he say? But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, 
Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. This is Christmas Eve. What do we learn from the prophet Micah? We learn where Jesus was born. He was born in Bethlehem. 700 years earlier, it was predicted that that's where he would be. And he arrived on time, at just the right time. Now, if you're thinking that was the whole point of the sermon, you're wrong. You knew that before you care. What you may not know is what the rest of the prophecy says. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. We already knew that Jesus was going to be born of the woman. So when this woman is in labor, gives birth, we're talking about Mary. We're talking of giving birth to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But notice this next part. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. What is he talking about there? Isaiah gives us a clue. I, the Lord, have called you, the Messiah, in righteousness. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Who are these Gentiles? Well, these are the brothers that need to return to be a part of the celebration for whom Christ was born. And if that isn't clear enough, all we have to do is look at the gospel lesson coming up here shortly when Jesus was presented in the temple. And we have Simeon saying these words, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. The Messiah is the Messiah of the covenant group, Israel. But we ourselves have been included in it by the words of God itself. We are that. We've seen, we sing that song as Pastor Prima is talking about this morning. It's called the Nunc Dimenes. It's time for me to go because I've seen the salvation, and that's the Son of God. But there's more here. We know that Israel was abandoned. There was 450 years between Malachi and John the Baptist. There was no voice. They were wondering what was going on. How come God's not talking? He's not talking because the prophet said, he would remain silent till just the right time. But notice what we have next. This Messiah, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Say what? Let me break it down. He, that's the Messiah, coming out of Bethlehem, will stand and shepherd his flock. What is the Messiah doing? Well, he will stand and shepherd his flock. That was a prophecy that came true when the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. And ever since then, what has our Messiah been doing? What has our shepherd been doing? He's been watching over us. He's caring for us. Much along the lines of King David David in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Lord, Yahweh, this is the personal name of God given to God's people in the Old Testament. He is shepherding. He is watching over, not in the strength of an ordinary man. He has the strength of God himself. The majesty of the name of of the Lord his God is watching over and shepherding his flock, his people. And they, his people, will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the end of the earth. So, I don't know how secure you feel this evening. Maybe you're a little shocked by this particular message. I'm not sure. But you know what that tells me? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We know that to be true. We sing it all the time. Yeah, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Yeah. What else? All of this stuff is what's else. How many Christmases have you gone through where you think, oh boy, nothing happened this time when the word of God actually says something's happening all the time? Ever since Jesus came the very first time, he is taking care of his flock, and you're a part of that flock. But I don't feel secure. Okay, why not? Probably because you're not listening to what God says to you. Probably because you have a little bit extra noise in your ears as far as what Christmas and the Advent season is all about. Maybe you're actually looking for something different than what God promises to give to you, in fact, has already given to you. Imagine kicking back tonight when you go home and saying, you think that preacher meant that I have, I have security in my life because of Christ? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm telling you there's nothing you have to be afraid of. And I'm talking about some pretty bad things that could happen. I'm not overlooking the fact that this has been a difficult year for this congregation, especially in the last couple of months with the number of people that we've given back to the Lord. It's a challenge, especially at Christmas time, when you mourn the loss of a loved one in light of this beautiful gift, and you want to say, well, how secure is that? To which I will tell you, where is that loved one? But in the arms of Jesus himself. If given an opportunity to come back tonight to be with you to make your Christmas celebration an awesome one, do you think they would say, sure, I'd love to? Or would they say, no, I'm fine right where I am and they can come and be with me and know that God takes care of you all the time? That's a celebration of the Christmas story. This isn't just about a little baby that didn't grow up. This is about a baby that grew up and took upon himself the salvation of all people. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. We know that's where he was born. The rest of the prophecy tells us more. And he, the Messiah, will be their peace. Notice that he is the Messiah. The will be is the future, and thus for us in 2023, this is a present reality. There, um, the flock, the believers, peace or shalom. As a child of God, that's yours. 
all because of its connection to the place where Jesus was born. Prophesied 700 years before it happened. Connected to the prophecy is this wonderful promise that God gives to you. And you say to yourself, self, I really haven't put a lot of time in thinking about this. I just showed up tonight. I'm one of those 40-some-odd percentage of people trying to cover all my bases on, on, on Christmas Eve. Well, it's Sunday. I don't even know if places are open tonight or today. But this place is open. This is a place where you hear about Jesus and what he came to do and what he came to be. As awesome as it is to talk about a little baby, we know that little baby grew up. And he lived a life that we are incapable of living on our own. We can't. He took our life onto himself. And he now shepherds us in the strength of the Lord, in the forgiveness of our sins. That's why we celebrate Christmas, is that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And that includes you. Well, he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose again. That's one of the reasons why we know it's true. Not just because the prophecy said it, but because he actually rose from the dead. It's a historical fact. It reaffirms everything that he had taught, everything that he had said, and all the things and the promises of his word that apply to us today. He rose from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven, and he is coming again the same way he left. He's coming back on the second, on, 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 on the second return of Christ, on the last day. Now, this isn't something we should be afraid of. Actually, this is a big part of the Christmas celebration, the historical reality of his birth, but also the reality of him coming again. And until that day, what is he going to do? He's going to watch over you. He's going to shepherd you in the strength of the Lord his God. And you are secure in that gift. And he then is your peace. He was born in Bethlehem. We know that to be true. Now, you know all the other things that were connected with that birth. The wonderful gift of Jesus, your Messiah that it's taken care of you even till tonight. And he promises you peace. Also from the book of Numbers is a wonderful verse where God tells Moses, this is how you're supposed to bless my people. You say the words and the words convey the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.